0: And it's just a matter of how customized it's going to be based on the price point. So there's really something for everybody. Thank you guys. Let's get on into the episode. Cheers. Y'all hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. If you were celebrating healthy, all that good stuff, let's dive right on into it. So today we're going to be focusing kind of expanding part of a, theme and a topic that I introduced two episodes ago, looking at disordered eating and looking at it comparatively to eating disorders. And there's going to be some overlapping themes here, and there's going to be a, a lot of insights unpack. So We can take it in multiple parts. Um, also, in future episodes, we're going to have guests come on, whether it's from our fighters to clients to athletes that can relate to, um, I want to give a variety of perspectives as uh, someone from a disordered eating perspective that may not have a diagnosed eating disorder, but may say, hey, I can relate to a lot of those symptoms. And even honestly, I'm going to share my personal experience here and elaborate what I shared in the past and have, you know, uh, co-host Chuck, he's going to tag in in future episodes and really just kind of expand upon this, especially around the holiday season. I think that, you know, a lot of these symptoms can start to kind of come up and, and you know, you kind of get tempted to you know, just brush it under the rug or not necessarily focus on that. And it's kind of a topic I think needs to be continuously talked about. So what I want to do is I actually wanted to share with you guys some of the resources that I'm using, not just where I have it in the notes, but I actually wanted to share my screen and show you guys how I actually, because this is an important little side piece I was thinking about in the car today, because I was thinking about, you know, what references I'm going to use and whatnot. And I wanted to share what kind of some of the process looks like and how I decide a credible source or from my perspective, what could be a credible source. So let's kind of check that out. So you're going to see right here, I actually am sharing the window. So I wanted to show you a little bit on what I'm searching for. Now, I'm using Bing. You can use Google, whatever. I just, I, It's easy what pops up on my uh, desktop. So first I looked at eating disorder. And, and the first thing I'm going to look for, and you guys might notice I clicked on a couple of these, is a, a few variations. Now, listen, uh, you guys have heard me possibly talk about in prior episodes. Or, and, and for those of you that aren't watching this, I'm still going to share the resource and references in the description, but I highly recommend jumping onto YouTube or any one of our video platforms to watch this. So being able to distinguish between credible resources can be important. So like uh, education-based, like .edu.gov, uh, credited organizations in that capacity in this context becomes important, not necessarily even if you trust them or not in research and things like that, but it's more of a kind of uniform definition and understanding, or at least a commonly agreed upon in this space. So, and you can start to like argue the different semantics there, but let's even just go to uh, the Mayo Clinic because that's also a very commonly used one or the National Institute of Health. Again, that's another great one. And if you notice, again, it's either a .org, .gov, or another, like again, nutrition.gov. And I don't agree with all of the different Components, But at least from the definition standpoint, this becomes important. So now that's at least the, the kind of context of how I was looking for it. Now what we're going to do is we're going to also look at disordered eating as well, which is really what I want to spend more time on. So disordered eating and again, seeing what that's going to bring up for us and the same idea, you know, eatright.org. Is going to be one. So let's just kind of define that in a more co- important capacity here. So you guys will see this right over here to my right. And again, I'm going to read it for everyone that's just listening. So uh, disorder eating is used to describe a range of irregular eating behaviors that may or may not warrant a diagnosis of a specific eating disorder. So again, you know, a diagnosed condition is going to put you in a separate kind of category. For example, we have anorexia nervosa, Uh, or AN, bulimia nervosa or BN are great examples or specific examples. I should not say great. I I don't want to use that kind of wording. So when we kind of use that comparison of disordered eating versus eating disorders, really just ultimately about a diagnosis, the most significant difference between an eating disorder and disordered eating is whether or not a person's symptoms and experiences align with the criteria defined by the American Psychiatric Association. So ultimately it's is it kind of putting it in the category of qualification for a diagnosis? So let's look at some of the symptoms of disordered eating because I think this becomes an important piece as well. So signs and symptoms of disordered eating may include, but are not limited to frequent dieting. Not, and I think this is where it's important to have context in the library, not just frequent dieting, but anxiety associated with specific foods or meal skipping. So if you're starting to get very anxious around, oh, you know, I missed my lunch or I missed this snack or whatever you know, that could be a potential sign. I'm going to run through these. And then I'm also going to share personal, story experience here and just kind of bring light to that. Why I think it's so important is chronic weight fluctuations. Now, also, I want to keep in context, because a lot of, it, as you can tell from my hoodie, a lot of our audience may be fighters and athletes and weight based athletes. And, you know, we've obviously like uh, opened up our audience to like way more than just fighters and athletes. I would say 80% of our clients now are actually like fitness enthusiasts or corporate professionals or people that are outside the athletic arena, but where our core foundation comes from is from fighters and athletes. So I think this is very relevant. Even outside of that, this is still very relevant. So um, chronic weight fluctuations. Again, I'm just going to say this and highlight this thing. So rigid rituals and routines surrounding food and exercise. Um, And I'll dig into some of these, like what that could mean a little bit more. Feelings of guilt and shame associated with eating. Uh, Preoccupation with food, Weight and body image that negatively impacts quality of life. That's a key term right here, guys. So, you know, you'll hear me talk about this constantly, quality of life. What's the net impact on your quality of life? Is it positive, negative, or neutral? That's ultimately, to me, such a massive definer in what we're doing and how we should kind of have context to it. So, next one is a, a feeling of loss of control around food, including compulsive eating habits. And then, lastly, using exercise, food restriction, fasting, or purging to make up for bad foods consumed. Um, so, and, and we can like have an entire separate category where we talk about the harms, some of the, you know, consequences, the biological tax, so to speak. And then I also do want to get into like specific eating disorders. So I'm gonna kind of dig into that next from the Mayo Clinic. But I want to stay here on disordered eating for a split second, or just for a little bit and continue to stay on these symptoms and kind of dig into elaborating a little bit more. So again, I'll be honest with you guys, I think at some point, if not currently, I have experienced all of these, all right? So that's why I'm I'm wanting to speak up on this because I can relate to this idea of disordered eating. Now I've never been diagnosed with an eating disorder, but from the time I was 15, 16 to about now, um, there was always some of these symptoms or signs lingering or something I was trying to work through or work past. And even currently, like I'll be honest, You know, like um, chronic weight fluctuations, that was my entire fight career, going from like 155 pounds, like 200 pounds and fluctuating everything in between. Um, Being able to like have anxiety associated with specific foods or meal skipping, like more so around 16 to 18, I was very like strict about weighing out my food, perfectly dialed in time-wise and all these things. And, you know, my point is I was very focused and goal-oriented. So I think sometimes it can be, we can disguise some of these symptoms and even some issues that can be related to this because we're seeing progress and results or we're working towards a goal, which is great. The downside to a lot of this, and we can, you know, I'm not even going to get into the harm as far as like biologically, which is like a whole thing we can get into, but it's just like, think about sustainability. Is this sustainable? And then ultimately, I think the last piece of it is the impact on our net quality of life. That's like an important one again. So Preoccupation with food, weight, or body image that negatively impacts. This is the most important one, I think, and I think a lot of us, not all of us can relate to this for one capacity or another so having said that that's a bit on the symptoms and if you guys have concerns like talk to your doctor ask if, hey can i can i like um just share this with you like and maybe they'll either refer you out to a dietitian that's a specialty in this a nutritionist that's a clinical specialist in this again i have nutrition coaching and qualifications but this goes even outside of my licensure and certification and specialties we do have specialists in our team of professionals that we can even refer you out to or go outside of our own network and kind of help connect the dots there. But again, guys, don't suffer in silence. If you're even having a thought around this, and would be like, Oh, that actually surprisingly sounding a lot like me or some things that I can relate to reach out to us. Even if you're worried about from a financial standpoint, just reach out to us. We'll help you connect with resources that might be there. And then again, this is important for, a variety of reasons that we can even dig into in another part and another piece of the series. So that's a little bit on the disordered eating side. Now, let's kind of extrapolate or dig into a little bit more on the eating disorders and kind of the overview here. So first off, eating disorders are serious conditions related to persistent eating behaviors that negatively impact, again, here's that key phrase, negatively impact your health, you could even substitute quality of life there. Emotions, your ability to function, important areas of life. The most common eating disorders are anorexia nervosa, Bulimia nervosa and binge eating disorder. So, without like, I'm not gonna read it sign by sign, but the key one here is like again a diagnosis that goes with it. So, let's just kind of touch on those. Anorexia nervosa, so often simply called anorexia, is a potentially life-threatening eating disorder characterized by abnormally low body weight, tense fear of gaining weight, and distorted perception of weight or shape. Usually, that's like restrictive feeding that's happening, feeding into that. You're not eating enough. And there's, again, it even says excessively limited calories or use of methods uh, to lose weight, excessive exercise, laxatives, diet aids, vomiting, etc. cetera. So, and that's the other side too. It's not just, you know, even though disordered eating and eating disorders in the name, like you can actually have unhealthy behaviors and impact with your exercise and activity. Like, honestly, this is what I struggle with right now. To be honest with you guys, be super transparent. I think the biggest thing I struggle with is feeling I have to work out every single day um, just because it's been so ingrained in me from having a fight career. And so used to the habit and behavior patterns. And then I would like, Oh, I can eat a little bit more because of that. Um, so that's something to be very transparent. with You guys, I consistently work through and Now I'm actually like, you know, I'm sharing this with you guys. So I'm actually proud. Like I didn't work out today. I mean, I hiked, I stayed active. Like I, I went for walks and stuff, but like I didn't work out, like lift weights, do resistance training, do any martial arts, anything like that. I purposely, even this whole week around Thanksgiving, like exercise. And I even shared resources, on our social media. If you guys aren't checking out again, we have everything below here. That's why we got that new little frame going on here. But being able to give myself a little bit of a rest date and that became important to me. And then I'm already noticing a shift on like, you know, I don't have to go like, because I didn't exercise and force myself. I'm not like psychologically justifying eating that much more food. And I feel like I don't even need it. There's an interesting component that's happening there. So I'll keep you guys posted on that. But that's just that component. Now let's talk about bulimia nervosa. It's commonly called bul- bulimia. Um, Again, these are all serious, you know, like they all kind of start with that, but, and again, all potentially serious and life-threatening. That's an important one. Um, So you have episodes of uh, binging and purging that involve feeling a lack of control over your eating. So again, you're going to be binging for this window of time, massively eating, and then purging, whether it's through excessive exercise, then limiting or fasting afterwards, or like vomiting, any kind of aspect of that is an example of it. And then. Last one that's like the common one talked about is binge eating disorder. You have binge eating disorder, you regularly eat too much food and feel a lack of control over your eating. You may eat quickly or eat more food than intended, even when you're not hungry, and you may continue eating even long after you're uncomfortably full. So I actually, you're going to notice I removed the kind of screen capture there. So that's some of the things I wanted you guys to be able to see from looking at, again, the eating uh, disordered or the eating disorders comparatively to disordered eating. And again, there, there becomes this little bit of a, a, a gap that we are going to kind of like bridge with again, the diagnosis piece of it. Not saying I'm going to make a diagnosis or anything like that, but what I'm wanting to dig into at this point, I'm going to kind of bring it home with this. And then again, remember, what we're going to do is we have a multi-part series. So uh, I'm going to have Chuck kind of share some of his experience there. Then we're going to actually have some of our clients, athletes and fighters that feel comfortable sharing their experience and perspective. So it's going to be a multi-part series. And again, if you guys have questions again, We have more information on the description below, resources below, and just know you're not alone here. We want to be able to just kind of reiterate that point, you know, regardless if you want to be a client or not, like, no, you're not alone here. We'll help you find the resources that you need. So when it comes to these things, and you can very easily like tick off one of those things, you're like, oh, uh, like I have disordered eating. Now, I don't want to kind of bring this topic up and then say, hey, like Mike, are, are you saying like, I shouldn't be worried about what I'm putting into my body or you know, wanting to lose weight or and, and that's not what i'm saying and i have a lot of clients i can see at different stages along this kind of spectrum you know and i can relate to that so i want to share this just to say like we're all on the spectrum to one capacity or another if you're changing behavior and even if you're not like there's an unhealthy potentiality to it um of like wanting to consistently not change anything and being overweight maybe putting in things in your body that you're not necessarily going to be thinking is or that's not best for you and you're thinking like hey well, I, I'm not like obsessive over it. So that's actually better. The, the slippery slope becomes like when you have multiple aspects, multiple symptoms. And again, the, to me, the ultimate is the net impact on your quality of life. If you're noticing there's a net impact on your quality of life in a negative manner, whether it's because of your weight, your behavior pattern, your mindset, the psychology, like talk to your doctor, talk to a psychologist, talk to a psychiatrist, reach out, get resources. And again, if you don't know where to go, again, we have information below, you can also reach out to us. There's like, tons of free resources as well just a lot of us may not know where they are or where to go with them so that's what i wanted to do with this again this is just like i kind of introduced the topic before prior to thanksgiving but i wanted to really just have an exclusive intro to this topic we're gonna have a multi-part series again if you guys have questions feel free to let me know the one thing i want to kind of recap with is here's a little bit of an actionable step i always like to leave you guys with actionable components to it so i would honestly say like go through some of those um, checklist, like I'll actually put the resources below, go through the disordered eating and seeing like, how do you feel about that? And instead of just saying immediately, oh, I have like three of these things I'm like, I, you know, there's something up. Um, just start journaling for a week and then start to see what kind of connotations and psychological emotional impacts are associated with food and your choice and behaviors. Because again, ultimately, if you looked at a lot of the words that are coming up is negative emotions, uh, you know, just quality of life, mindset, feelings. If you start to have a, a lot of those quote-unquote, negative feelings and emotions around the choice that you're making with food, that's where we want to start to dig into that potential a little bit more. But again, not a doctor. Talk to your doctor. Talk to your dietitian, clinical nutritionist, psychologist, psychiatrist, wherever that is. Or, again, work with if you're working with a health coach or you're one of our clients, communicate with us and we'll help kind of establish the right kind of uh, process and action steps there and plan of attack if we haven't already. So I just wanted to recap with that kind of uh, actionable step and going over again, we have our disordered eating, Comparatively to eating disorders, disordered eating is really just the symptoms without a specific diagnosis. And uh, eating disorders is the actual diagnosis. And then, even in one of the definitions, kind of look between it, the American Psychiatric Association is really the one that has the golden standard um, for the kind of di- distinguishing variables at play. So, hope this was helpful, y'all. Again, if you guys appreciate this, if you know someone that would find this helpful, please share it with them. And uh, if you haven't already, Follow like we have it over here subscribe or whatever platform listeners. Please follow like this comment leave a review if you haven't already it helps out tremendously and I'll check you guys next time. Thanks y'all. Cheers